The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Your host is Rochelle McLaughlin. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present. And learn to live your life's infinite potential. Now, here's your host, Rochelle McLaughlin. Welcome, everyone, to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. I'd like to let you know that I will be speaking at the Still Path Retreat Center in Woodside, California, for a Day Without Stress event with Cassie Schindler on Saturday, April 8th. And it is open to the public. So, um, you know, so often our lives are so full and complex and often filled with stress and anxiety that it's so important that we give ourselves the gift of spaciousness and gather together where we can, where we can become reacquainted with the wisdom of our bodies and practice presence and develop attitudes of kindness and self-compassion that are conducive to our health and well-being. And what I know for sure is that when I didn't feel well on a mentally, emotionally, and physically um physical level, I was bringing that suffering into the world, whether I liked it or not. And the world, now more than ever before, needs us to feel well and to bring wellness into the world through us. And a sign that we are not well is a call to action for us to begin to tune in and turn to, to turn towards our experience with tenderness and care, beginning to develop the skills of awareness in our lives and be guided by our own inner wisdom. Because I also know that when you feel well, you will bring that wellness into the world. And your own personal self-care is absolutely essential to our collective health. And you are the only one who truly can care for you. And if you would like to join us for a day without stress on April 8th, you can access the registration link at mindyourmoments.com backslash events. That's mindyourmoments.com backslash events and I look forward to seeing you all there and I'm so excited about our show today because Frederick and I are coming together today for our part three of this series on re-entangling humans with nature a spirituality and ecology of belonging and today we will be diving a little deeper into our exploration on how we might rekindle intimacy and reciprocity with nature and explore what needs to unfold for us to resituate and re-entangle ourselves within the other than human world so that we might reimagine and co-create human life ways that are rich and environmentally sustainable. So dear Frederick, thank you so much for joining us again on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio today. Thank you, Rochelle, for having me and hello to everybody. Frederick, as I have been preparing for my talk at this, it's the Day Without Stress event, I've been reflecting on how a significant part of my own healing journey has been as I recognized and honored, and I'm still recognizing and honoring my own deeply entangled reality with the world and how when I became 
really humbled by this profound sense of intra-connectedness, as you've shared before in the past couple shows, that this this particular kind of worldview, this experience was like, it almost felt like being reborn or unblinded. It was really like a great awakening. And um, even, and I, you've used this term too, like being bathed in this experience. It was like a baptism a bit. Um, and as I just coming into the sense of of this kind of knowingness, the reality for myself. And it's been a deeply healing part of my own journey. And I wonder if we could begin our conversation about the significance of this, how it really does change everything. And then maybe we can talk about how the modern person living out their life in our modern places, how we might go about humbling ourselves and opening our hearts to this reality of our, this deep interconnectedness. Yes, Rochelle, uh, listening to your announcement about uh, your uh, program and your teaching workshop, I uh, immediately connected to what we are doing in uh, my nonprofit center in the Peruvian Upper Amazon. Recently, I recognized that I had been trying to heal the earth through. stopping slash and burn agriculture, giving an alternative uh, of uh, permanent agriculture for reforestation and food security uh, and climate mitigation. And last summer, I realized through the participants that come to my program in the summer that uh, there is an epidemic of mental disorders. Well, we all know about the drug opioid epidemic, which is uh, growing uh, every day in the US, and all sorts of other issues. Um, And that healing, uh, as you speak of your own experience, healing oneself and healing the earth, the air, is one single process. You can't separate them uh, because when you are stressed and you're anxious and you are uh, completely uh, closed in, you're much more closed in onto yourself and you lose that opening and that uh, receptivity to the non-human world and the the dynamic of interacting, of being part of and uh, doing with the whole uh, non-human world, we lose it because we are suffering and so we we close in on ourselves in kind of a, you know, protective posture. And uh, so I really have come to think of um, the healing of the earth, be it uh, you know, reforestation, climate, or pollution, or any of these catastrophic crises that are everywhere, uh, cannot be separated from healing ourselves, like you have done, and you're now sharing this and teaching it to others. So, uh, what uh, I'm now, what we are now doing in our nonprofit center in the upper Peruvian Amazon is a integral or holistic 
uh, environment where one is immersed or based in an environment where uh, the ecological, if you will, practices and the personal healing practices are part of each other. And of course, um, interacting with the indigenous people and communities with whom we collaborate is enormously uh, helpful because they live in a world that is so different from the modern world. They're not, uh, they live with the earth, from the earth, and uh, they're not overwhelmed with gadgets. At most, they have a cell phone, not an iPhone, but a cell phone. That's the most that they can have. Um, Many don't have electricity. And, of course, for them, uh, the earth is a living being full of spirits. Those spirits embody and are the, the... agency of the non-human world and its sacrality, its luminosity. And this is what hyper-modernized city life full of gadgets that we're completely, you know, enthralled with is making it harder and harder for us to be aware of and let it penetrate us and us penetrate it to interact together. Uh, So for me personally, as you spoke of your own personal healing, for me personally to come to that view uh, did happen through being immersed in very different cultures. First in India, in a a coastal area of uh, the East Coast in Orisha, um, and uh, Communities that are that are peasant communities mostly, and then now uh, you know in the last many years, in uh, among indigenous communities in the Peruvian Upper Amazon, and it it was and it is this immersion in a very different context, human and non-human, that completely transformed me, for good. So once transformed, uh, you can see this and be that way anywhere, even downtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems, you know, just as you're speaking, it seems almost as though like there's the gravitational pull of our seductive media and technologies and our cultural perpetuation of the just this overly busy and huge hubristic doing the materialistic lifestyle is our current you know it's like a collective default mode and it's convenient that it in the way that it keeps us numb really it seems as though there's like a perceived benefit and unfortunate benefit to being disentangled and disenchanted because it means that we can exploit resources and you speak of this so beautifully in your book um and I wonder if you could speak a bit to with our listeners today, because it seems that this might be the greatest challenge for us to in the modern world to re-entangle our modern industrialized selves. Because when we re-entangle ourselves, it really changes everything. As we've said, we we would really have to acknowledge the unbelievable cost of the destructive disentanglement 
of these past few centuries. And just the grief alone is enough to keep us in the dark, even though in our blindness, we are welcoming, as you say in your book, welcoming deleterious effects to our own biological and spiritual health at once. I wonder if you could speak to this. No, absolutely. You see, um, our our worldview, and this is a Western modern worldview, um, it has deeper roots than modernity. And I, you know, I place modernity uh, around the 16th, 17th century, uh, which is, you know, the scientific revolution and the enlightenment, and at the same time, the burning times. And it's very significant that it is the same time, because the burning times meant the extermination of a very alternative way of being in the world. The so-called witches and sorcerers uh, were very similar to the shamans in the Amazon. They were shamanesses and shamans. You, You had men, they were mostly women, but you also had men. And it was an, it, it came from the oral peasantry in Western Europe. And, uh, and they just completely eradicated it by labeling it heretical. And uh, you had also a literate version of that, the occult philosophers. And they were also, uh, many of them burned at the stake or imprisoned and called heretics. So this alternative that existed in pre-modern Europe was exterminated deliberately so that a different worldview could establish itself that worked for the powerful, you know, richer, more powerful men. It was a world of men, and um, they, uh, they needed to build something else to replace the failed uh, feudal system, but the witches and the occult philosopher had an alternative and it was communal and egalitarian between classes and between men and women and we would call it today ecological but that was not allowed to fly and what uh, became uh, the mode is now taken for granted that we are completely separate from the non-human world and we take pride in being able to control uh, nature, right? Mm -hmm. And that means you control nature and it has always meant the people seen as closer to nature. Most women, almost all women, and men who are not white, middle-class, educated men. And so, you know, it's gone hand in hand with slavery, colonization, imperialism, etc., etc. And that has brought us, at the same time, total inequality among humans and uh, a destruction of nature, a destruction of the non-human world. And now we need desperately to get out of that system. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it's hegemonic, you know. With colonization, it's <clears throat> gone everywhere and the governments have taken that model in Uh but we have to remember that many many maybe the majority 
my friend Gustavo Esteva says they are uh, two thirds of the world population are peasants, artisans, and uh, indigenous people who live very differently and have been only marginally affected by modernity. So that has saved me because I was immersed in these other contexts and I was totally transformed by them and mm. continue to be. And now I want to share it with younger people and invite them to come to my center for the programs that I offer there in July and August where this is exactly what we try to do. Uh, Dr. You know, Frederick, we yes. are, it's time to take a short break and we can sure. talk more about that when we get back. Our guest today, Dr. Frederick apfel Marglin, PhD. She is Professor Emerita, Department of Anthropology at Smith, Smith College and founder and director of the Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration in the Peruvian High Amazon. Frederick's next book, titled Sacred Soil, Biochar and the Regeneration of the Earth, published by North Atlantic Books, will be out in July, and you can buy that book on Amazon. And you can find a link to the Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration on Revolutionary Wellness Radio's talk uh, our radio page, which is experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. And it's also found at casasangapilla.com backslash Sachamama in backslash. And we will be right back after these messages. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest today, Frederic Abfil-Marglin, is the director-founder of the Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration Integral Ecology Program in the Peruvian Upper Amazon, which is a six- to eight-week summer program. The program has two parts, where participants experientially learn to relate to the earth as a being, a thou with many different aspects rather than an insentient mechanical natural resource there exclusively for satisfying some human need. The program is focused on integral ecology in two senses, in the sense where the moral forces of concern focus both on the environment and the people, and in, or in other words, both on nature and on culture. The term integral ecology is also used in a pedagogical sense in which the process of learning aims to integrate the mind with the heart, the spirit, the body, and beyond the greater earth body. And you can find out more on casasengapia.com backslash such a mama in backslash. And again, you can also find that link on our website, experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Just scroll down to the resource links. So today, um, Dr. Bio Akamalafe is not able to join us in our conversation, but I would like to repose a question that Bio offered in part two of this series where he says, just elaborating about a world that doesn't notice that there's so much more beyond its confines, that it doesn't know there are wilds beyond its fences, if you will. And if we feel so, we feel so alone, there's a palpable, touchable sense that of aloneness that we feel. And our cities seem to make it worse. They are not designed for community. They are not designed for people to turn to each other. They are designed with the presupposition that we are all we've got and that that's basically it. And I'm just coming to an understanding of the radical consequences that the world notices us as well. It maybe doesn't quite endorse everything we do, but that the world initiates, creates, produces, and sometimes or very often resists what we do. That we live in a world that is populated with other beings. And those beings are not just metaphorical figures of our imagination. They are actually beings with force. And they have material effects on the world. So just coming to terms with that understanding, with that mind-blowing paradigm, just um, words escape me to think about the consequences of that, the idea, the notion that the world is sacred. And my question is, what can we do, people around the world do, without putting a blanket universality on the world, but what can we do in our places, those of us gestating in cities and neighborhoods and blocks what can we do to resacralize or sacralize our lives and notice that the world is also alive for us? Frederic, if we can speak to that. Yes, Rochelle. Um, yes, modernity separates us uh, from the non-human world. And I believe that our dominant economic system, capitalism, destroys community, uh, human community. So, you know, we are suffering the consequences of these separation and with tremendous aloneness, uh, being 
very much at the root of so much uh, addiction and mental issues uh, that are so pervasive in a country like the U.S. Uh, and to get out of that uh, is totally possible and um, people offer opportunities and you personally offer an opportunity for healing in the workshop that you announced uh, earlier uh, and I offer at my uh, non-profit organization in the Peruvian Upper Amazon uh, also an opportunity because this is how it happened for me. Uh, I became aware of the isolating and destructive nature of our worldview, uh, Western modern worldview, by being in uh, coastal Orissa in India for many years and, and then for many more years in uh, very close contact with the indigenous people in the Peruvian upper Amazon. Uh, and of course, um, the ideal for me is to go on such retreats or programs because it's it's possible to do it within a city um, environment, but it's much harder, much, much harder. And uh, the hope is that when you go on these programs or retreats or courses or workshops that uh, immerse you in a, a different world, you you hopefully, if it's successful, uh, it's like opening a new horizon. You are transformed, and that transformation sticks. It stuck for me, and I think from for all the participants that have come to my uh, to my uh, center. Years later, they write to me. They say uh, this has changed me. It has transformed me, and, and <laughs> I see everything differently years afterwards. So that's one way of doing it. I really don't know how we could do it without some help, because our immediate context is so overwhelming, so, you know, we're so caught in it, and um, at all levels, at the intellectual level, uh, in all education institutions, at the bodily level, just how we live, what we eat, um, at the emotional level by being isolated, or by being making our relationships through the medium of these gadgets, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Facebook and iPhone and this, rather than in an embodied face-to-face uh, manner, mm -hmm. and I think that's also very important. Yes, I I can, you know, just as you're speaking and sharing, it really, you know, just the mindfulness practice, the awareness practice. Just because I I've had a, you know a, quite a bit of training and bringing these this awareness in my own life that, you know, being aware of sort of my own mental phenomena, noticing what is like if there's thoughts that are coming up and I can tell what is maybe something that was passed on to me from um, societal structures, you know, whether it be, you know, from the parent, teachers, you know, minister, political, um, 
you know, a person that has, you know, these thoughts and perceptions and views that I may have, the awareness, when I can hold all of that in awareness, I can notice and not be so attached to that and uh, and be more likely to let that go that doesn't serve me. And so the mindfulness practice, I think, has been really key for me to really open my mind, open my heart. And um, it's sort of like a, I know bio has used this term, it's like a decolonization of my own self so that I can um, just be more receptive to the reality of that, you know, that you speak to, that of this deep intra-connectedness with, with everything. And, and that we can bring this level of awareness into just our daily activities. So even when I'm washing my hands, there's a connection that I have with the water that's coming out of the faucet. And just like you're talking about, resacralizing. So there's just recognizing that even in our daily activities that we can participate in them in a different way. And maybe it's, you know, developing awe and wonder for our connection to all that is um, that helps, you know, continue to sort of open our mind, open our heart, even in the midst of the structures that we're in today in this modern um, culture. I wonder if that makes sense, Frederic. That totally makes sense, yeah. uh, Rochelle. Uh, in my own life, uh, ever since India, I've had a daily meditation um, practice, mindfulness meditation practice. And so I encourage it in uh, in the participant in my nonprofit. And when I was teaching at Smith, I would begin the class with a two minutes of, uh, I didn't call it meditation, I just mm-hmm. said silence and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, emptying one's mind. Um, however, about Smith and doing this in an institution, um, I could change my syllabus. I was very free with doing this within certain but very broad uh, constraints. And I could do that that little practice at the beginning. But the whole context, the whole institution was so focused on, you know, it didn't matter what stress you were in, you had to produce. You had mm-hmm. to pass your exam, write your papers, get mm-hmm. good grades. And so many students have come to me saying, you know, I went to the counselor and they send me to the health office and they give me some pills and they don't want to hear anything. Mm-hmm. They just want to make you function and be successful within the system. Mm-hmm. And the system is... Uh, is stressful. I think they train you to to function under stress because yeah. that's the reality in the world. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, we've yes. Ahead. No, so we've I done really some. Came, I yeah. really came to to feel completely uh, constrained, and and mm-hmm. I retired as soon as I was able to when my last child graduated from college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done some just research in identifying the level of anxiety and um, 
depression for at least within the the Department of Occupational Therapy that I work at at San Jose State University, and it's, I mean, it's it's an enor- it's a large portion of our student body that is, um, the, you know, ang- has anxiety and depression. And it's really, um, you know, it really points to really a general population of our, you know, the students at the university and not just San Jose State, but all over the country and all over the world. It's like you said, it's really an environment that we are, you know, um, perpetuating for um, our student body that they need to just, um, you know, hunker down and and move through the system with all that stress and anxiety. And you know, I'm grateful that the particular department that I teach for in occupational therapy is has um, you know invited me to teach this course since 2010, where it's an entire course in teaching mindfulness meditation, and it's it's pretty. You know, it's it, and and I'm being asked to develop courses that are more for the general population at the university. And I know that this is definitely spreading all over. Um, and I think it's opening up. Really, it's opening up new places of power, as Bio uses that term, in the sense that I feel like we become empowered when we have the skills of mindfulness because on many different levels, but we become re-embodied and we become really like agents of that body that is connected to everything else. And, um, and I'm just really grateful to see that this, this is definitely spreading across, you know, the world in our industrialized um, systems, in, even in the universities and such. I wonder if you've noticed that. Well, that I am thrilled to hear that. And that hap- has happened since I retired in 2007. Mm-hmm. And uh, I retired so that I could do what I'm doing. And that's when mm-hmm. I founded my center but let me ask you is that course that you're teaching is it for credit this particular course is for credit but I'm developing courses that are will be non-credit um that's for like either the community or the campus community I mean for the for the students it's for that's that's a major major Mm -hmm. development and I'm so Mm -hmm. glad and I think it has happened because people realize the situation yeah. is so extreme, something yeah. has to be done. But yes. they're doing it under the gun, uh, yeah. if you will. And That's I'm right. so happy to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also doubt how much this is spreading to the Northeast. I mean, California is not where we are in New England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New England is the, you know, is the seat of the old uh, yeah. educational institution. Yeah. And uh, that's the last ones that will move yes. in that direction. You know, it's interesting because my training in mindfulness-based stress reduction is from the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Um, and Dr. John Kabat-Zinn started yes, that program exactly. in, in the 70s, which is phenomenal. Uh, and exactly. so it is, it is there as well. Yes. But um, yes. Frederick, it is time to take a short break. And but before we go, I'd love to share a bit more about Frederick Apfel-Marglin, Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration. It's a nonprofit organization in the Peruvian High Amazon dedicated to, to the biocultural regeneration of the region in collaboration with the indigenous Quechua 
Lamistas, the descendants of the pre-Columbian inhabitants, as well as with the local education board of the province of Lamas. The Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration shares a worldview in which the human, the non-human, as well as the community of spirits are all kin to each other, treating nature as a thou rather than an it. The center's mission is to integrate politics and spirituality, activism and scholarship, biocultural regeneration, and fair economic practices with the goal of nurturing intercultural dialogue to strengthen the ancestral legacies, improve the local agriculture, and help solve the climate crises. And you can find a link to the Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration on the Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's page for our website, which is experiencerevolutionarywellness.com, or you can go to the website directly, which is kasasangapia.com backslash sachamama in backslash and we will be right back after these messages your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Just to let you know that the premier issue of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is now available online at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. It's a beautiful publication devoted to amplifying, inspiring voices of our time. 
to facing challenging realities head on, opening up new places of power and inviting curiosity about the paths we might take toward individual, communal and global health. The magazine aspires to help us become the change we wish to see in the world, co-creating the more beautiful world we know in our hearts is possible. We invite you to join us on the journey and you can log on and access the publication for free at revolutionarywellness.com. So my guest today is Dr. Frederick Apfel Marklin. And uh, before the break, Frederick, we were just, I was just sharing about Dr. Um, Kabat-Zinn's work at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. And I know that you've had a chance to um, be introduced to his work. And I was just curious if there was anything you wanted to share about that. Yes. Um, you know, because uh, spirituality uh, was so separate from academics at Smith that it really became very stressful for me. And so I reached out to a colleague at Amherst whom I had met at a conference with the Dalai Lama, so I figured he was the right person, and he was indeed, he was a physicist. Um, And together we formed a five-college faculty seminar, which we called New Epistemologies and Contemplation. And Kabat-Zinn was a friend of my colleague, and he came to talk to us. And it was, he talked to us how he started this at the uh, UMass uh, Medical School, and they tried to, his colleagues tried to have him uh, dismissed. They hated him. They tried to destroy mm-hmm. his career. So it was very difficult. That was, you know, like 30 or 30 plus years ago. Uh, he is a very skillful person and, you know, navigated very skillfully that uh, terrain and uh, became very successful. And now this pain reduction centers at most or many uh, medical schools all over the country. Uh, But uh, in the Ivy League uh, and elite uh, colleges and universities of New England, uh, that hasn't hasn't percolated into the Faculty of Arts and Science undergraduate or graduate program, PhD programs. Um, in a way that I think uh, uh, California is very different. California is much more open uh, in that sense. Uh, So I just wanted to underline that the fact that it was in a medical school, the beginnings were very, very difficult. Through his skills, he was able to uh, survive and thrive. And now it's an established uh, practice uh, in many uh, medical schools all over the country. But that's not saying that uh, my university, my college would have a course like the one you're teaching at your uh, institution. That's that's Mm -hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. You know, but however, and the same goes for yoga. So at Smith, there would be yoga during the lunch hour. So I did yoga at the lunch hour all the time, you know, for years mm-hmm. and years and years. But uh, there was no yoga practice for credit. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was always an optional um, extracurricular activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think it's absolutely marvelous that. In your university, uh, you can teach such a course that mm-hmm. that gives one hope, and hopefully the same thing will happen that happened uh, with Kabat-Zinn uh, at uh, the UMass Medical School. It will spread, hopefully. Yes. 
Yes, yes, it does feel as it is, thankfully. And, you know, as we're using these terms, sort of like, you know, these, these terms of opening up new places of power, developing sanctuaries for people. And definitely, you know, John Kabat-Zinn has certainly done that in his program that he's developed and that's spreading. And it seems that certainly your work as well is, you know, there's, um, you know, your work is identifying new places of power, developing sanctuaries for people, and f- not just for people, but for the other other than human. And I wonder if we could just speak in this last segment how, um, maybe just coming back to this, how a person like myself, raised in an industrialized, top-down, hierarchical model of culture, um, how can we... Mm, and plug into this these kinds of sanctuaries. Of course, your program over the summer um, would be amazing if people can do that. Absolutely. Um, but I'm wondering too, just something where they can plug in more close to home if that's what they need to do, so that we can begin sort of this collective healing that I think is really what's being called for. I wonder if you have any thoughts about how we might go about doing that. Well, let me just uh, give you an example. Uh, Two years ago, I was uh, invited for a year a visiting professor at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. And there, Wesleyan University has a student-run farm. Now, that uh, thing of having a student run farm or having a farm on campus is spreading, is really spreading more and more and more. And many students then came to my center and then they transferred. Uh, They created a biochar oven on their farm and they recreated this pre-Columbian Amazonian soil and uh, they also began uh, the practice of making offerings to the field. To the spirits mm. of the field. Uh, so this can be done in one's backyard or in one's community garden or, you know, uh, or if your institution has has a garden or a farm, uh, you can do it there. The other thing that Wesleyan had, the students had done, uh, they had transformed part of the uh, campus lawn into a permaculture uh, f- food uh, area. It was beautiful, and mm-hmm. the administration resisted it very much. Uh, but now that it, it's gorgeous, uh, it's 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 a point that sells uh, Wesleyan to prospective parents and and students. Um, that can be done, uh, and transforming your front lawn or back lawn or both into a permanent food garden is something Mm -hmm. that one can do and incorporate in that uh, gestures of of reciprocity and recognition of the sacrality and the agency of all the elements uh, of the the earth, the water, the air, the plants, the birds, uh, the animals, everything. So that's something that Many of us in cities, and if you don't have a backyard, if you live in Manhattan, you can, you know, have a indoor plants. Or I had students who were telling me uh, that uh, their parents had in Manhattan, they had herbal 
window gardens and things like that. So even in those places, you can do something. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. You know, it um, just something that was coming up for me as you were speaking about this, you know, this practice of, of giving offerings to the fields or to the soil. Um, in one of the earlier programs that we had on was um, Dr. Uh, Dietert, who is a professor at Cornell, and he wrote a book about the human superorganism, which is, um, you know, they're they're making this this connection between the soil, the earth of the soil, and then if there was um, an earthy, soily part of our body, that would be our digestive digestive mm. tract and our mm-hmm. gut. Yeah, and <clears throat> and the way he talks about it is, you know, just this. Um, I mean, or at least maybe the perspective that I was getting is that, you know, our body um, is, you know, there's aspects of our body that are like the, the soil of the earth and that maybe we can just every bite of food we take or the drink that we take in, it's also we can consider it as an offering um, mm-hmm. and maybe ritualize it in a way or sacralize that in a way so that every bite of food we take in um, you know, we're just, there's a new way of sort of relating to food and to our body that is very personal. And at the same time, it really connects us. There's a, you know, a way of being and relating and intra-relating that um, can be really healing. I wonder if you could, if that makes sense. And if it totally makes sense, sense because mm-hmm. the soil that we recreate uh, has microorganisms in it, and we create uh, a fermented and activated microorganism brew uh, that uh, was taught to me in Costa Rica by organic oh. farmers, and. Uh, if you uh, what they told me there they use it for their for their growing of the food their organic food but also for health reasons so they uh, strain it and they take it as a probiotic because our uh, our fauna uh, biotic microbiotic uh, fauna in our gut uh, is really the same thing as what's in the in a, in a healthy soil, and, uh, and 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 doing and I did that actually at my center. Mm-hmm. I was training this and taking it, um, but I I also had uh, much earlier I had serious gut problem, and I un- learned and understood uh, that uh, you know we are s- too concerned with. Uh, uh, negative viruses and bacteria that can harm us, and we forget that this overconcern has impoverished our biotic uh, fauna in our gut and has lowered our immunity. So we are literally part of the earth. That this seeming separation is just that. It seems that way, but in mm-hmm. fact. We're intimate, intimately part of it, and and, and it's most obvious, as you say, in terms of your gut, which, you know, as Michael Pollan and many others have shown, is absolutely key to your uh, uh, healthy immune system and key to your overall health and, and key to how you relate to the earth, because 
<laughs> the the New York Times magazine uh, published his article about that, and the photograph on the cover was a baby, maybe you know, ten months old or a year, uh, sitting on a pile of dirt with all kind of trash, and that he he had put on his body and his face, and. Mm-hmm. Poland's article was, you know, we we say no, no, no. We we disinfect everything. We keep the children from that kind of interaction, um, and and that that is kind of in 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 a small scale uh, mm-hmm. illustrates everything that we've been talking about because it kind of makes it very very concrete and very clear. But uh, the principle is runs throughout. To the macro level, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? I think absolutely, absolutely. I think that connection for me too is a powerful realization. Um, you know, Doctor D. He actually, you know, he talks about how the the body and the um, especially the gut is much more like a, you know, this unbelievably complex coral reef or rainforest than it is mm-hmm. like anything else that we we can really imagine it to be mm-hmm. and that um, maybe just in you know the caring for ourselves it is an act of caring for you know the planet when we are when in the intention and the awareness is that we are deeply interconnected and you so beautifully say that Dr. Frederick Apfel Marklin yes and, yes absolutely so it is um, the end of our show today. Our guest for this three-part series has been Professor Emerita, Department of Anthropology at Smith College and founder of the Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration, Dr. Frederick Apfel Marglin. Frederick's next book titled Sacred Soil, Biochar and Regeneration of the Earth, also uh, with chapters by Robert Tyndall and David Shearer, published by North Atlantic Books, will be out later this year. Um Braun Taylor states that Dr. Frederick Apfel-Marglin's book, Subversive Spiritualities, is a tour de force of the kind that can only be produced by a mature scholar with tremendous interdisciplinary range and rich real-world experience. Unceasingly provocative and wonderfully written, it deserves a wide reading by anyone interested in how we might rekindle intimacy and reciprocity with nature. Thank you so much, dear Frederic, for being with us for this three-part series on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, for sharing your extraordinary work and passion with us in the world as you do. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rochelle, for inviting me. It's been such a pleasure. And tune in next week for the Emergence Network's Precipice Series with Annie Levin, where we will, where we will be wondering out loud together as we navigate the perplexing ecological, social, economic, and existential realities of our times. And in the meantime, you can join us on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's Facebook page, follow our Twitter feed at Revolution Well, and connect with us on our website at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com, and also check out the magazine at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. It's such a pleasure to be here with you all on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us on this journey to become the change we wish to see in the world, co-creating the more beautiful world we know in our hearts is possible. Until next time, may you be well and may we all be well. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to a new way of being. 
to greater degrees of self-compassion and wellness and your experience of your own infinite potential with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join host Rochelle next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to turn courageously towards your own unique experience of health and wellness here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, you too can experience revolutionary wellness. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.